Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. This episode is part two of Bone Health for Runners. Having a healthy bone structure is really important for all runners, so today we're going to be highlighting the importance of key bone building nutrients, why we need them, where you can get them from food, and how, most importantly, you can maximise their bioavailability. Hello and welcome to She Runs, Eats, Performs, the podcast for female runners of all abilities. Please join Karen Campbell and Aileen Smith, nutritionists, friends and runners, who are here to help you translate sports nutritional science into easy-to-apply tips and plans, helping you enjoy peak running performance and especially adding in the female factors every woman needs to know to be a healthy runner. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only, and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Ailey to design a personalized sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. and welcome back. I'm Karen and I'm here with Aileen once again. Hi Aileen, how are you? Hi Karen, I'm fine, thank you. Great. So everybody, you may remember in episode 21, we had part one of bone health for runners and there we focused on what makes healthy bones, causes of bone stress fracture in runners and how nutrition and lifestyle factors can promote health bones. But anyway, today we're taking a closer look at nutrition and specifically the essential bone building nutrients. So to begin with, before we start on the topic, as usual, we're going to start with a question um, to each other, which is always about our running or our nutrition. So Aileen, I was wondering how you've been feeling not having any races to focus on this year as we've had lockdown and all races have been cancelled how's that been for you well it's felt a bit strange really um because usually my year is punctuated with various races usually um local races and maybe one or two further afield um and i always like know what my next target is because that motivates me uh, to keep to a running plan um, but I have found actually it served me quite well this year because um, I've had um, plantar fasciitis over the summer and that's um, put me in quite a lot of pain so I've had to keep my running to sort of short regular runs and running off-road so on grass because that's kinder to my feet um, so in many ways it's been nice not to have to worry about getting the distances in and um, I'm, I'm getting better, which is good news. So I do plan to make the most of the next few months before we get into the winter and um, hopefully dream up some nice uh, running goals and races 
for next year. So I'm I'm not too demotivated, although it does still feel a bit strange when I know I should be in certain places doing certain things. Mm. Um, what about you, Karen? How has that affected you and how have you kept your running mojo going? Yeah, well, like you, really, now I've, I've really missed having regular aim, um, races to aim for because I like my training to have some focus. Um, but on saying that, um, up until recently, my training did have some focus because um, I was registered for the Paris Marathon, which was originally going to be in um, April, but then that got rescheduled to November. So I thought, oh, yes, I'm still going to be able to race it. But alas, because of sort of recent spikes in COVID in France again, it's now been cancelled until 2021. So I don't really have any focus at the moment. But but what I'm thinking about, because I've just recently heard about this, but what I'm thinking I will do um, in the meantime is to to use that time to focus on rehabilitation. So a bit like you, Aileen, sort of just making sure that I'm completely free of injury um, and feeling strong. And, um, and so to focus on that and also my technical training so that when I do come back to marathons, I feel that I'm coming back fitter and stronger, although I'm not currently sure I will come back any faster. But anyway, never mind. Um, let's move on to our topic for today, which, um, as I said, is part two of Bone Health for Runners. So we're going to be having a quick recap of um, the nutritional points we discussed in part one. Then we'll go on and look at and highlight the importance of the key bone building nutrients, why we need them, food sources and how to maximise their bioavailability. And then we're going to end this episode by going on and answering some questions that listeners have sent to us um, since part one. So Aileen, sort of moving swiftly on, um, looking at um, at a recap, could you just give us a, a quick outline of the key nutritional considerations we need to think about regarding our bone health, the sort of the ones that we, we sort of spoke about briefly in part one? Yeah, sure, Karen, because it, it was really a big topic and I'm so glad we split it into mm. part one and part two because it would have been a shame to rush it really. Um, but the key things that we, we talked about regarding the nutritional considerations were uh, using um, things like omega-3 essential fatty acids and ginger and turmeric um, as a support and they're really to help us regulate inflammation as high levels of inflammation may lead to reduced um, bone mineral density. Uh, we also identified the essential vitamins and minerals for bone building and remodeling. Uh, and we, we noted those as being calcium, vitamin D, magnesium, along with many trace elements. And we're going to have a closer look at those today. Um, we talked about the role of collagen and how that supports the bone matrix and also bone density. And we also talked about the importance of balancing female sex hormones and the need to ensure that digestion is optimized so that we can maximize the bioavailability of all these nutrients for the bone remodeling process. So, yeah, we covered quite a lot of ground, didn't we? Yeah, we did, Aileen. That's why I think it's really good to have that quick reminder of, of what the key nutrients um, are. So, now we'll just dive into why we need them, their food sources, and how to maximise their bioavailability. So can you enlighten us, Aileen, on some of those? 
Yeah, sure. So I'm going to focus more on what we require for everyday health and how to utilize those nutrients um, for healing injuries. I'm not going to go into as much detail on bone conditions like osteoporosis, only because they might need a more therapeutic amount of nutrients in the form of food and supplements. So what we're going to talk today is all going to be good and it's going to help everybody no matter what their um, bone health is like. Um, but if you do have a, a bone condition, um, you might want to take some expert advice uh, outside of, of this um, episode. Um, so um, she want me to just get straight into the specific nutrients then, Karen? Yeah, do just um, just carry on, Eileen. Oh, great. So um, one of the things that also to bear in mind is it's really important to have optimal levels of all of the nutrients that we're going to talk about and to have those at an optimal level in your food plan and possibly with supplements too. And remember that they don't all work in isolation. Um, often they work positively together and sometimes it might be detrimental if one of the nutrients, one or more of the nutrients is suboptimal. So we really just need to bear that in mind. And I wanted to highlight that so that anybody who's listening doesn't overly focus on one nutrient because the, that can be a tendency. Um, yeah, that's that's great advice, actually, Aileen. So everybody, let's hold that thought. So thinking about the specific nutrients, um, Aileen, let's start with calcium as that is the nutri nutrient really that everybody identifies with as being important for bone health and also for teeth. Um, and, and interestingly, our bones and teeth store 99% of the calcium in our bodies, whilst the rest of the calcium, which isn't very much, um, can be found in blood, in tissues and also in fluids. And, and calcium has lots of functions, including muscle contraction um, for nerves to carry messages to our brain and also, of course, for um, building strong bones. And in fact, calcium is used in really almost every bodily function in some way or another. So if we're deficient in calcium from our food, then the body is going to, to sort of take calcium from our bones to use for other functions, and then that's going to compromise our bone health. So as you can see, calcium is really important and also really important for cardiovascular and heart health, also for blood clotting as well as, as muscle function. So really, it's, it's far-reaching the effects of calcium. So Aileen, that's sort of an overview of calcium and, and how it works in the body. But could you tell us a little bit more about calcium in relation to bone health specifically? Yes, yeah, so well, what we're trying to aim for is we're aiming to retain the calcium stores in our bones and minimize the need for the body to draw on the calcium store stores from the bone. And um, so by having enough calcium in your diet, um, that's, that's going to alleviate that problem. So we're aiming to, you know, keep the, the 99% in our bone and not decrease that, um, by, you know, if we didn't have enough calcium in our diet, there would be a need to draw on the bone stores. Yeah, absolutely. So could you just remind us of some of the main food sources of calcium? Well, I think typically um, people will think about calcium from dairy foods such as milk and cheese. 
Um, but you could also think about getting calcium from things like small fish, such as sardines. So if you think of a small bony fish, so they've got calcium in their bones. So we get calcium through eating them. Um, and also there's other sources of calcium in uh, plant foods, um, such as the, all of the dark green leafy vegetables and nuts and seeds. Uh, particularly, I'm thinking about poppy seeds, sesame and chia seeds. They all have good levels of calcium. Um, there's tons of lists on Google. You know, so if you just Google calcium uh, sources of calcium in food, you, you'll get a whole big list of different foods. So you can get it from many, many different sources. Yeah, and I think what um, is really interesting to note as well is that our ability to absorb calcium decreases with age, which which is a potential concern, and it can decrease significantly in some people. So really worth bearing in mind. Um, so so because of this, because it deteriorates as we age, the recommendations for dietary intake of calcium do tend to be higher for the over fifties. Um, and also for people uh, who smoke, um, if people drink quite a lot of alcohol and also a low fiber diet can affect um, absor- absorption rates of calcium. So there's different areas where um, the, the, the bioavailability can be limited. Yeah, and bioavailability is really important. And there are a few things that people can do to maximize the bioavailability. So that's basically how much is available to your body to use. Um, and one of the things that you can do is think about um, making sure that when you're taking a vitamin D supplement that you, you've got enough um, vitamin K2 alongside it. So vitamin K2 works with vitamin D and that helps osteocalcin, which is a protein hormone that you find in, in bone to hold on to the bone building minerals like calcium. Um, so they, that this is like when we're talking about the synergy of, of um, nutrients working together, that's very important. Uh, another thing that you can think about is that calcium deficiency can alter your calcium metabolism and the hormones that regulate calcium. So when I mentioned earlier about if you, if you're deficient in some nutrients, that can be a detrimental problem for you. So that's one to think about there. Um, there's also a lot of concern about the depletion of calcium in the food chain. So although, you know, as I said earlier, you can get calcium in many, many different food sources. It can also be challenging just to get enough from your food. And that's where sometimes supplementation may re- be required. Um, so, you know, when you're, you're looking at your, your food plan and if you've got any particular bone health concerns, it would be advisable to take advice on extra supplementation. Um, and another, another thing to consider is that vitamin D is also vital for calcium absorption. Um, so making sure that your vitamin D status is optimal is important too. Yeah, absolutely. As you say, alien vitamin D supports that active absorption of calcium from the small intestine and actually accounts for almost all sort of 85 to 90 percent of calcium absorption. So as well as optimal calcium, we also want optimum vitamin D. It's really crucial. But also vitamin D in its activated form also helps special 
single calcium binding proteins to collect the calcium and transport it across the intestinal lining into the bloodstream. And, and also vitamin D deficiency is seen to be linked to both muscle and bone loss. And, um, and another thing about vitamin D is that it helps to reduce inflammation by helping to prevent excessive activation of the osteoclasts. So remembering that those osteoclasts are the cells that break down bone. So, so vitamin is, is really vital. Yeah, it's really interesting to consider that, you know, all of those really important things about vitamin D. Um, and it also helps absorption of all of these essential minerals, but in the absence of optimal, um, optimal essential vitamin, uh, and sorry, I've got my tongue in a twist there. But in the, if, if we've not got enough essential minerals, vitamin D actually will promote the absorption of toxic minerals. So what the, the, the main message there is you've got to have optimal levels of all the positive essential minerals that you need, because if you don't have enough, vitamin D very unhelpfully will promote the absorption of toxic material. And obviously that can be potentially dangerous. So I think that's a really interesting um, thing to know. It is. It is. It's really interesting, really important to know, I think. And another good reason for us all to ensure that we do have an optimal mineral intake so and just um as a reminder to everyone that as we know or most of us know that it is difficult to get all our vitamin d requirements from food we may get a small amount from the likes of oily fish butter maybe some in eggs as well so but it is really key to have that safe sun exposure to make sure that you are getting um sufficient sufficient vitamin D um, via the skin and also to get tested to check your vitamin D status. And I would say that we would need to be looking at doing that at least on an annual basis um, and, and considering supplementation as well, depending on what the test results say. So Erin, is there a particular form of vitamin D people should should take to support their bone health? Yeah, well, I mentioned earlier vitamin D3 with K2. So that is something that would be really helpful to look out for when you are choosing a vitamin D supplement to make sure that often they're formulated um, with both of those um, vitamins to, to help that process. Uh, and the process really is that vitamin D helps transport the calcium into the bloodstream and the vitamin K helps move the calcium from the bloodstream to help build bone and collagen. Um, and also vitamin K activates osteocalcin, and that's a protein essential for depositing calcium in the bone. So the, the problem that you might have is if vitamin K is missing, then there's a risk that the calcium could be deposited in tissues and arteries and not reach the bone, um, you know, and that could cause its own particular problems. Um, so as I say, look out for when you're choosing a vitamin D supplement, just check the label and see if there's any uh, vitamin K2 to give you that added protection. Um, you also find vitamin K in dark green leafy vegetables. So if you're including lots of green vegetables in your food plan, 
um, that's going to be helpful too. Yeah, what I would just add here, Aileen, for all the vegans out there is just that, and they may, may know this already, is that vitamin D3 tends to come from animal sources, but you can actually buy the, the, the vegan equivalent of D3 in the supplement form. So just something for for vegans and potentially vegetarians to, to be aware of. Yeah, that's a, a good thing to look out for, um, definitely. So in, in the previous episodes, uh, and, and not just to do with the bone health, but in other episodes, we've talked about the importance of magnesium for energy. And magnesium, as we all know, minimizes muscle cramps, and it's really important for electrolyte balance. Uh, but it's also got a really important role with bone health. So alongside calcium and vitamin D, magnesium forms part of the bone matrix, which we talked about in the part one episode. Um, and the matrix is the bone tissue, and it's made up of proteins, collagens, the minerals, and the bone cells that we've, we've reviewed. Um, so it's, it's a really important part of the bone health equation to have optimal magnesium status. Yeah, it is. And, and just as a reminder for everybody, some of the key food sources of, of magnesium include the dark green leafy vegetables and um, also um, nuts and seeds as well have, have magnesium in them as well. So what, one of the important things to think about, about this synergy that I was talking about at the beginning, is that calcium and magnesium work together and they really need to be in balance for optimal function. Um, and there, there are a number of studies that have shown that magnesium keeps calcium dissolved in the blood and without it, it would le leave deposits in the kidney and that would cause calcification um, of arteries and, and bone joints. So it's a really important thing to focus on your magnesium. Another thing that it does is it, it helps uh, transport calcium to the bones and it affects calcium metabolism and the hormones that regulate it. So one of the key uh, things that we need to consider is that calcium and magnesium have to be in balance. And there, there is a recommended ratio, which is two to one. So to calcium to one magnesium. So again, when you're looking at a multi-supplement, um, you would look for that sort of ratio, um, you know, when you're looking at the label, because that would be really important. Um, and just another sort of thought from a female angle, menopausal women requ require something in the range of between 1200 to 1500 milligrams of calcium and 600 to 750 milligrams of magnesium daily, giving them that two to one ratio. So there's, there's more to magnesium than meets the eye. It's also really important to make those vitamin D binding proteins. Um, but it's often something that people miss out because they're so focused on calcium and vitamin D that um, either they don't know about mag magnesium and its important role, or they just forget about it. So it, it's really crucial that that's part of the whole big picture. Yeah, absolutely. And sort of thinking of that big picture, Aileen, it, it, you know, we can really see here that calcium, vitamin D3, K2 and magnesium are all working together um, to, and are key for that good bone health. So they all need to be working in synergy. And um, sort of moving on a little bit, Aileen, you, I do remember you mentioned omega-3 fatty acids in part one. So is there anything about that that you would want to highlight here? 
Yeah, well, the, the fatty acids, the omega-3 fatty acids, particularly the EPA, DHA fatty acids, are known to increase osteoblast production. Um, so they're the bone-building cells, and, and also these fatty acids help manage inflammation. So including oily fish in your food plan or supplementing um, with those kind of um, supplements would be really helpful and supportive to bone health. So if you don't like oily fish or you're you know, vegetarian or vegan, look at having um, a fatty acid supplement as part of your plan. Mm, yeah. Okay. And are there any other trace minerals uh, or micronutrients um, that, we, that are important as well here, Aileen? Yeah, there's a huge list that are really important. But as, um, you know, I mentioned right at the beginning, um, all of these nutrients need to be taken into consideration. But remember, trace elements, you really only need tiny amounts, but even these tiny amounts are crucial to the, the bone remodeling process. So some of the um, nutrients that people may have heard of are things like boron, copper, manganese, silicon, selenium, strontium, vanadine, I can never say that one, zinc, uh, there's a lot of them. Um, so you will get um, all of these nutrients in tiny amounts in food, but if bone health is a particular concern, so maybe you're recovering from a fracture or you, you know, you, you think that you're, you've got a bone condition or you've had a bone condition diagnosed, um, it's really important that you get all of these micronutrients um, and you, you do tend to find that in special bone supplements, all of these multi-nutrients will be formulated together so that they work together in the best a- approach. Um, so, yeah, yeah there's, there's many things to consider. I think there is, Eileen. I think you've really sort of highlighted how many vitamins and minerals are involved in just keeping our bones healthy. Um, so I think that's mm. been a really helpful roundup of the, the, the ones that are essential for, for our bone health. Um, so before we move on to the second question um, or the second topic for today, um, we're just going to take a, our usual advert break and then we'll move on. So um, Aileen, I'm going to hand over to you again. Okay, thank you. So, yeah, as Karen says, we usually take a few moments um, at this point of the episode just to tell us, uh, tell you a little bit about Runners Health Hub. And that's where Karen and I offer a range of services to help you be a fitter, faster and stronger runner. Um, so some of you may know this already, but behind the scenes, Karen and I have been doing some research around the nutrition and lifestyle challenge experienced mainly by women in our Facebook group. Uh, and what we realized was that the topics we cover in the podcast episodes are really well received and we get lots of positive feedback. But the missing link for many of our followers is how to put it all into practice and to get some direct input from us whilst they do it. So we've been busy behind the scenes designing our Healthy Woman, Healthy Runner method. And we're offering some free training. So if you're getting a bit frustrated with the health challenges of being a midlife runner, we'd love to invite you to one of our free training sessions, which will be online. Um, And if you'd like to find out about it, you can either get on our mailing list or check out our show notes. on this episode and you'll see the link to register. So I've tried to make it easy for you to find. I'm putting it at the top of the show notes. So if you just click on there, you can register for the next um, free training session 
and um, you'll get an opportunity to learn a little bit more about the Healthy Woman, Healthy Runner method and ask us some questions live uh, during the session. Um, so we'd really love it if you could join us. It's our mission to help you be a healthy woman, healthy runner for many years to come. So um, please uh, click on the link and um, we'd love right. to meet Thanks, you there. Thanks, So just moving on to the last section of, of today's podcast. So we, we've had quite a few questions following on from part one, looking at bone health for runners. So we're, we're now going to take you through a series of them, Aileen. Um, I'm going to ask you quite a few questions that I've got here. And um, and you can you can answer them for us. So just kicking off with the first one, um, somebody has asked, how do you get enough minerals on a dairy free diet? Yeah, well, that's a great question, because as I said earlier, we've been conditioned to focus on calcium from dairy. Um, but I'm hoping after our chat today that everyone will realize that we need a wide range of vitamins and minerals and it is possible to get them from a wide range of foods, including dairy free um, plant foods. Um, so I'd suggest um, focusing on the dark green leafy vegetables. So things like the spinach and the brassicas and all the salad leaves. And then also thinking about nuts and seeds and um, fermented soy products and also beans and dried fruits such as uh, figs and apricots. They've got quite um, high levels of calcium too. So there's plenty of opportunity to um, to get enough minerals, even if you're on a dairy-free yeah, diet, I would say. there is. But like you say, everybody tends to focus on the dairy, don't they? But there are there is a large selection of foods mm -hmm. out there. Okay, Aileen. So in, in um, part one, you spoke about the DEXA scan and somebody's asking, what is a DEXA scan and how can I get one? Okay, so a DEXA scan is something that typically um, people are referred to get when they've had a fracture um, and to measure their bone mineral density. So DEXA stands for dual energy x-ray absorbitometry uh, and it's basically a, a machine that uses low x low energy x-rays and it sends out two sources of x-ray that, and that's where the dual bit comes and it, it these x-rays go through the bone and the bone uh, blocks some of the x-rays so the more dense your bone is the less x-rays pass through to the detector and then basically what happens is the amount of x-rays passing through the bone is sent to a computer and that calculates the average score for the density of your bone. So if you're, if you live in the UK, usually anyone who is over 50 and has a, a fracture will be offered a DEXA scan and that's to assess their bone quantity. Um, it might be possible to request a DEXA scan either via your GP or if you've got a private health medication, uh, particularly if you're in a high risk group. So maybe there's a family history or a condition which puts you at risk. Um, so that's what a DEXA scan is. Um, there is another scan or another score that you can, um, you can use or that you might be offered and it's called the trabecular bone score test and that assesses the bone quality. Um, I don't think this is offered as standard in the UK um, but it's thought that it's a better way of assessing if nutrition, lifestyle and medical interventions are improving bone health. So I'm hoping that over time 
that might be something that's offered rather than just having a scan every few years that maybe we'll get this score test, um, you know, maybe annually and we'll be able to see if what difference our nutrition and lifestyle is making to yeah, our bone health. That's really interesting, Aileen. I, I don't know that trabecular um, bone score. Is it? Did you say in part one that that's something that gets offered to people in the States more frequently? Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think it's something that I've read about um, over in the states, and it's not something that I've noticed mm -hmm. here. Um, so, um, it's just an interesting one, I think, and it, it would be good if it was something that yeah, was definitely. more available. Okay, so moving on to the next question, somebody here has asked: Should I limit my coffee and tea consumption if I'm aiming to improve my bone health? Yes, I think probably you should. Um, I'll, I'll just sort of go through why. So caffeine um, may encourage calcium excretion in urine. And so obviously that might lead to decreasing calcium absorption uh, from the gut. Um, and remember, you know, we've talked many times before about caffeine acting as a stimulant to adrenal hormones, which might result in higher cortisol levels and cortisol may affect vitamin D. Uh, the action of vitamin D, which can inhibit calcium absorption. So I think, uh, you know, with everything, we would say minimize. So if you, if you could, you know, minimize to one cup a day, that would be ideal. Um, and then thinking about black tea, um, tea has, uh, contains something called tannins and tannins can minimize the absorption of vitamins and minerals. Um, so again, it, I would just sort of minimize them. So one, one to two cups a day maximum. And if possible, drink away from food. Um, and if you drink wheat tea, uh, that's, that's better mm. as well. So, so carrying on the drinks theme, Aileen, um, somebody's saying you mentioned that fizzy drinks are not good for bone health. Can you explain more? Yeah, well, I think we mentioned this in relationship to uh, teenagers, particularly because there's a trend of overconsumption of the soft fizzy drinks um, in the teenage population. And the, these sort of drinks often contain phosphoric acid. And when levels of phosphorus rise in the blood, the, the brain signals um, the release of calcium to balance the levels of phosphorus. Um, fizzy drinks are often acidic, so the body is required to neutralize, um, neutralize this before it extracts it through the urinary system. Um, so the body also uses sodium and potassium reserves. And if there's not enough, it will tap into magnesium and calcium reserves depleting the body. So that, that's really the reason why. And obviously it can affect everybody. We, we sort of focused on the teenagers in the previous episode mainly because the concern is that if you're not laying down the right level of bone mineral density when you're young, that's going to put you at risk when you get older. So, um, yeah, again, it's like, you know, minimize. So less than one a yes. day would be good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> as far as I'm I would totally <laughs> agree there. And like you say, that goes for everybody, not just the teenagers. Okay, so you mentioned using phytoestrogenic foods to help balance female hormones. What are these foods? 
Okay, so some examples of these phytoestrogenic foods would be things like uh, milled flax seeds, um, organic um, fermented soybean products, so things like uh, milk and yogurt, the soya type products that you would get there, um, edamame beans, tofu, tempeh, hummus, uh, chickpeas, um, a variety of beans and sprouts. Um, and basically what they do is they they act as estrogen mimickers, so they, they provide an estrogenic effect on the body. Um, so if the, if the estrogen are low, they'll act as estrogen, and if you've got too much estrogen, they'll block estrogen. So they're, they're, that's where the mimicker action comes in. Um, and just another thought, you know, when I mentioned about the soya-based products, it's always a good um, a good approach to choose organic and to choose the traditionally fermented products. Um, and, and I'd suggest eating a variety of all of these foods. So you don't need to have huge amounts of them. So a portion a day would be great. And you can add small amounts to soups, to salads, to casseroles. Um, but just try and include a small amount every day in your food plan and that yeah, will really absolutely. help. And, you know, you've, you've listed so many different foods there that have that phytoestrogenic effect. So it would be fairly easy really to, to include that at least once in your diet every day. Okay. So someone else is asking, what can I do nutritionally to support healing a bone stress injury or fracture? Okay, so this is um, this is really important because I think as runners, um, we are at risk of these bone stress injuries. And when we get them, we need to do our absolute best to help our recovery. So if you're unfortunate enough to be in that situation, I'd suggest the first thing is really focus on eating protein. And you might need to increase your protein um, to give you the best possible um, chance of healing a fracture. Uh, research indicates that eating between one to one and a half grams of protein per kilogram of your body weight would be optimal. Um, so check in and make sure that you're doing that. And then also eat lots of fruit and vegetables. Um, and by doing that, you, you'll automatically have lots of antioxidants, which will help manage the free radical molecules produced due to the inflammation that you're going to have going on just because you're going through the healing process. Uh, and also think about how you manage the inflammation. So there, there's often pain and swelling in the weeks after a fracture. Um, and sometimes people resort to using medication like, you know, ibuprofen and other NSAIDs. And that might have a place initially. But if you're taking them repeatedly over, you know, a few weeks, that can lead to digestive disruptions. So maybe thinking about using natural alternatives like omega-3 fatty acids um, that you would get from oily fish, nuts and seeds, or maybe a supplement would help manage that inflammation in a more natural way. Um, so, yeah, just uh, looking at all of those areas. And, and also, you know, if you do have an injury, think about do I need a supplement plan to help me through this? And, um, you know, that's the kind of thing if you emailed us, we'd be able to. Uh, consult with you and um you know we you could um have a supplement yeah. plan uh, that's professionally 
designed yeah, for you. It would make it, it would be really personalized. Okay, Aileen, I'm going to move on to the final question, which is quite a big question. Um, somebody's asking, can you give an example of a bone health supporting meal plan? So can you give us a one day meal plan for bone health, Aileen? Well, I think it's all about thinking about all the foods that we've already mentioned today. Um, so um, if you think about breakfast, you could maybe have porridge with berries. So berries are great antioxidant. You could choose a, uh, to have it maybe with yogurt to give you some calcium. Um, I quite often use milled flax seeds, um, which, as I mentioned earlier, are great for omega-3 and for phytoestrogen. So just taking a dessert spoon and sprinkling it over your porridge or your muesli or um, whatever sort of breakfast type of thing you're having is really easy thing to do every day. Um, lunchtime, um, if you're a fish eater, maybe thinking about having something like salmon pate. Um, so that's giving you the calcium and the omega-3, um, which would be great. You could have that maybe on some oat cakes with a large green leafy salad. So you get all your magnesium and trace elements through the green salad. Um, Maybe if you're vegan, you could swap the pate and maybe do a lentil pate, something like that. Um, a snack uh, would be quite good to do. So something like um, making your own homemade um, nut and seed bar. So again, you're getting loads of omega-3 fatty acids and probably lots of different minerals and all the different nuts and seeds. Or you could be a bit more simple and just have a piece of fruit and a handful of seeds. Um, and then thinking about your evening meal, um, I'm a great fan of stir fries. So a good uh, a good stir fry with a, a rainbow of vegetables, as I said earlier, you know, you, you get lots of different antioxidants in the full range of, uh, of vegetables. And maybe you could look at some protein. So you could do tofu or chicken or fish. And then you could have a side dish of whole grain rice or maybe some lentils. So... You can see the theme there. It's all thinking about how do I get the antioxidants? How do I get the calcium? How to get the, um, the oils in there? Um, and all the trace elements and the magnesium that they're the yeah, things and I to think, think that about. it all sounds really delicious, Aileen, and also all quite simple to make. So it's not as though it's um, a long time spent in the kitchen preparing any of these, these meals or snacks. So, um, so a great one day suggestion. Thank you for that. Okay, so thanks for answering all those questions, actually, Aileen. Um, I think you've really given us some great insight into sort of how certain foods and beverages may inhibit the absorption of, absorption of calcium and other key nutrients that are in, required for bone health. But also, I, I feel that you've really enlightened us on how to optimise their ingestion, also their absorption and their utilisation. And like I say, I'm loving the one day meal plan um, all the foods and, and meals just seem so tasty. So hopefully, um, I'm certainly inspired. So hopefully our listeners will be inspired to try, to try some of them out. So Aileen, this episode is drawing to a close again, but just before we go, could you just please take us through your key takeaways from our discussion? Yeah, thanks, Karen. I'm happy to do that. So the top takeaways from this episode. Um, so it's really important to have 
the optimal levels of all the bone building nutrients in your food plan and possibly even a supplement plan too. Um, the focus is calcium, magnesium, vitamin D and K2 and alongside a range of the trace minerals. Always ensure the calcium magnesium ratio is two to one. Um, consider that optimal nutrient status is important uh, and that's because you want to minimize the risk of absorbing toxic minerals. Um, remember to include one to two portions of the phytoestrogenic foods that we mentioned every day. And if you're unfortunate enough to have to recover from a fracture, ensure that you've got enough protein, fruits and vegetables and omega three oils in your food plan and consider a bone supporting supplement plan all to promote healing and recovery and get you out running again as soon as possible. Thanks very much Aileen for another great discussion and remember everyone don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. Well this brings us to the end of another episode of She Runs Eats Performs brought to you by Runners Health Hub helping female runners to be fitter faster and stronger We really hope you've enjoyed listening and you'll join us again soon. In the meantime, we'd be so grateful if you check us out on iTunes and leave a review. And once again, thanks for listening and do let us know if there are any topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Bye for now. We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device, and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialing wearing their range for a few months, and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases. <music>